Hello and welcome to Forces Sport with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans. A happy New Year to all of you out there and particularly to you, Jules. What have you been doing with your, your time off over the festive period? A very well spent, rest, restful time over oh, the lovely. New Year and, and, and festive time. Um, obviously, traditionally, it's a time of plenty of sport, but some of those fixtures have been hampered by the ongoing <laughs> coronavirus situation. So... Uh, not as much sport as I would have liked, but we still managed to imbibe plenty on of what was offer, on offer. Well, you've actually been spending your time doing some celeb spotting, I think. Well, over I, well I, I mean, you say that. I think they've been following me around. So <laughs> sure. I've managed to complete the holy trinity of celeb spotting all in the same place. A big <laughs> plug for the RHS Gardens at Wisley, because um, a few weeks ago I saw Martin Tyler, who is a lot taller than he sounds. Well, he's you taller than that? you. Well, who isn't? Um, so everybody says that, oh, you're, you're smaller than you sound. <laughs> Hello. Well, nice to meet you. I live underneath the skirting boards. So we had Martin Tyler. Uh, then we had Rob Bryden, who thankfully I am taller than he. Okay. Um, and then to round it off, as I say, this is the Holy Trinity. If you are playing Celebrity Bingo, who who do you want to see to finish Drum that roll, line? Drum roll, please. Claire Balding. <laughs> Claire Balding. So the Holy Trinity of, of the Famouses was done all at the same place, RHS Wisley. Don't know if they were following me or, or I was stalking them, but either way, it was nice to see them all. I mean, I was there early December. You could have, you know, stalked me, but then you see me every Monday, so that would be pointless. Yeah, it would be pointless. I saw Dom Sibley in a pub in Wimbledon this time last week, So, and he was smiling, probably because he's not playing cricket in Australia at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, who who would be a Newcastle supporting cricket fan at the moment? <laughs> anyway, let's anyway, on with the show. On with the show. Coming up, we're going to hear from Steve Davis, the secretary for both the Army and the UK Armed Forces Winter Sports Associations. He's here with something more akin to a public information broadcast. He's been updating us on the plans for the Inter-Services Snow Sports Championships in the French Alps. Yes, Maribel 2022 is under threat again due to the COVID pandemic and France's current rules not allowing anyone in from the UK. This is what Steve had to say. We are in the lap of the gods. Um, we are planning to go ahead as normal um, and um, over the same same dates. Now, we, we appreciate that the three services have had to cancel some of their activities, more for some than others. Um, but uh, there has been a lot of time on snow uh, from the RAF, across the Navy and in, in some of the Army disciplines um, at core level. So activity can go ahead um, and it's just predicated on whether or not the French lift restrictions hopefully next week. Now, there has been a lot of chatter on social media about the weather the championship should go ahead, including concerns for those athletes who haven't had access to the snow, or at least not a lot of access. But of course, not all European ski resorts are out of bounds for the UK. But Steve explains why Maribel is so ideal. The thing with Maribel, we have three disciplines in one venue, and there are very few resorts across Europe that can cope with um, snowboard, telemark and alpine in the same resort. If I'm, and I know that we've got a group of, um, we've got a team that have been out looking at, at options and there is probably only three venues, Team, Val d'Azair and Maribel. They're the only three areas that I think can take this level of competition. More from Steve later and I apologise for the rather loud 
background sounds and that. We were at a, a judo event in Aldershot when we oh, spoke it sounded to like you op- <laughs> It sounded like you opening your, your wallet at the bar and everybody, yay, cat's getting it in. <laughs> that but, always happens, but believe me, it's not a very heavy wallet, especially after I brought this lot of drink. But mm. um, yeah, well, I think Steve was hoping there might be some rule changes later this week. So as they are doing, he says he's um, speaking to French embassy most days and trying to keep in touch with the resort to see whether rules will change. Uh, I know people who are in resort at the moment uh, in some resorts in the French Alps, and they say that people are getting in through Switzerland and Italy. <laughs> so I don't think um, it's as straightforward as, as Is it that. Michael Michael Caine in a coach <laughs> with a load of skiers in the back? He's supposed to blow the bloody Hold doors on. off. I've got an idea. We'll go through that tunnel there. Anyway, so I mean, that was uncanny, Jules. Very good. Logistically wise, how many athletes does Maribel cater for? Because you've been, you go every year. You know, what's it like? What's the buzz? How many people are there? If you're talking about just athletes, I mean, but you're also talking about officials, the likes of us, uh, sponsors. So, in you're talking between 300, 400 people that you've got to deal with. It's a big, big event, isn't it? Absolutely, and it's it's not something you can surreptitiously, you know a week out go oh yeah yeah we'll click our fingers and do it here mm. and do it there and um i don't think people realize that it's the reason they keep returning to maribel and it's good that steve brought that up is because they have three disciplines the snowboarding the telemark and the alpine skiing to be able to do that in one resort in europe isn't actually as easy as it sounds because you don't it's, it's easier if that's what you're doing, but if you're trying to hold one event for those three disciplines, the beauty of Maribel is you're able to just about get to all three um, in a fairly short amount of time. But we will keep you updated on that. You can always go to forces.net for the latest news on um, on all of our news stories, including Maribel and whether that's going to happen. Of course, we are aware that some of the... RAF and the Royal Navy and the Army teams have already done some training. There's been some core events just before Christmas as well. So some people have had time on snow. But Jules, you took the opportunity to ask Steve about some of our winter athletes who will, of course, be competing at the Olympic and Paralympic Games this year. Those coming up, they're coming up over the next couple of months in Beijing. So just with a little recap of any forces related sport that's been happening over the festive period, uh, the bobsleighs continued. Uh, the latest World Cup race in Winterberg. There was another silver in the four-man competition in the penultimate World Race um, World Cup race before the Olympics. That was this weekend. That's three silvers now for Brad Hall's GB team, which includes paratrooper Nick Gleason and Royal Marine Taylor Lawrence, as well as Greg Cackett. I mean, am I wrong to say that they're on fire, Jules? You know, have we ever had such a continued run of success in GB bobsleigh? You would imagine that they were looking to peak now so you're hoping that they haven't peaked too early with events in china about a month away so hopefully they're keeping something in reserve but as i say you know great britain have always had fantastic brakemen they've always been explosive at the start which is where you get your speed the thing that's cost them dear in, in previous olympic campaigns has been the driving ability and that's not to take anything away from the other people that drive we just aren't exposed to that amount of time on the ice on a track going down at hectic speeds so the fact that we've now got somebody who can drive is really putting gb in metal contention touch wood i believe in all of that so you know let's hope as i say they've kept something back for when the competition gets underway proper but confidence wise they're absolutely flying 
Now, the civilian headlines, if I can put it that way, um, were full of Greg, Greg Rutherford's debut. And he was, of course, in Lamandine, Grenadier Guardsman Lamandine's Bob. But they um, came in 17, 17th. Um, it was good to see Luke Dawes, who is another member of the Parachute Regiment, return from injury to slide this weekend. He was there in La- Lamin's sled with Greg Rutherford on his debut. Now, how's this for a segue, Jules? Ollie Butterworth, who used oh, to I race the GB, yeah. <laughs> used to race, of course, in a GB sled, made his debut for York Knights Rugby League at the weekend, and he scored two tries. Congratulations to him! Yeah, so I mean, he he started his rugby uh, background. I think it was rugby union. He started. That's where his background is. But he's he's switched to the other code rugby league. So great to see him, and and hopefully he can keep going. Two tries, not a bad debut, is it? Well, Taylor Lawrence, who is in that sled with Brad Hall and Nick Gleeson and Greg Cackett, also was a rugby player before. So I think it's not that GB Bob say necessarily go to all the military rugby events, but I do think it's a really good grounding. If you're fast and you're strong and you're powerful at rugby, it's going to translate well to that track um, for the bobsleigh. Um, in rugby union, a win for Bath finally, Jules. Rocco with a try. Rocco with a try. Fantastic. Yeah, so Bath are up and running. They've got their first win of the season. And of course, it's not just Rocco who's in the team. Josh McNally from the RAF, former RAF Sportsman of the Year. He's in there as well. He's in the thick of it, in the engine room, <laughs> in the pack. And uh, great for them. A huge morale booster if you're a Bath fan at last. They've got the got the win. And did you see the mercurial moment of Matavesi sidestepping his way, setting Northampton up for a glorious try at the weekend. So I'm a fr- I only saw the score, but I haven't seen mm. the um, I haven't seen the ins and outs, so I'll have yeah, to go so back Nor- on that one. Northampton Saints with their star Royal Navy man uh, in the front row doing something that only Fijians can do and, and, and that's make somebody <laughs> else look rather silly. So yeah, he did some great stuff. I mean, in a weekend of fairly close results, Northampton was that was a very convincing forty-four eight win over against, Newcastle. Yeah, Falcons. against Newcastle yeah. as well. Who, yeah. who would have seen that? So, yeah, not a great, not a great weekend if if you're a new, from Newcastle. And, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Let's not mention that. BFBS, the forces station. This, this is forces sport. I'm Kath Brazier and that is Julian Evans. Now for an interview with Steve Davis on an update on the Maribel situation 2022. Currently we are planning for success and we have been all season um, across all disciplines, both at UCAF level and across all three services in winter sports. Um, but of course the recent, the recent restrictions imposed upon us in France have just meant that um, we are in the lap of the gods. Um, we are planning to go ahead as normal um, and um, over the same, same dates. Now, we, we appreciate that the three services have had to cancel some of their activities, more for some than others, um, but uh, there has been a lot of time on snow uh, from the RAF, across the Navy and in, in some of the Army disciplines um, at core level. So activity can go ahead. Um, um, it's just predicated on whether or not the French lift restrictions hopefully next week. And do you have any inside track on whether the French will make that decision or is there due a decision? I mean, is that something that's in the pipeline or are we just, like you say, waiting to hear from them? <laughs> I don't have an inside track, <laughs> although I am in contact with the, um, the, um, the French embassy almost on a daily basis asking for snippets of information. Um, we've, got, we've got good contacts in resorts, um, we've got good contacts uh, across the board and, and it's really just keeping our eyes, eyes and ears open 
um, on the, in the press, on the news, and seeing what we can glean from, from the defence sections in Paris. It's such a big thing in the forces sporting calendar, one of the, the major events. Is there a contingency plan if this one can't go ahead? Is there any, any wiggle room? Um, I'd like to say yes. Um, however, our, we are focusing purely at the moment on the dates that we have set for Maribel. Um, we are tentatively asking questions of Maribel if we can slip, if, if we, the restrictions aren't lifted, if we can slip possibly into March. I think there's a, there's a one week window and it's the last week of March before the schools go back uh, or break up for half term. So, and, and again, that's, we, we don't know the answer to that and it's, it, we're in the lap of the, um, the Maribel gods, I suppose. Is there a danger with, um, danger is probably too strong a word, but is there a worry or a concern that should Maribel go ahead, those athletes who haven't been able to train like they normally would or compete like they normally would would be thrown, thrown into a very highly, and having been there, very highly competitive situation how are you so you've said that people have had time on snow but will that not be a worry or concern when you get to Maribel if you do yeah absolutely it is one of our major risk factors um, <clears throat> but what we've got is we've got good technical directors uh, technical delegates we've got chief of race that are hugely experienced in these activities and these competitions so we're currently working with all three services to lay on some training camps some additional time on snow um, I know the RAF have had some time before Christmas. Um, the Army have had a fairly good season at core level, so a lot of our athletes have had some good time on snow. I think the, 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 the Royal Navy are the, probably the, the team that have had the least amount of time. So at the moment we're, we're working up training camps with all disciplines, some combined, some, some isolation, um, to give them additional time. We will then factor in the time on snow, the levels of ability by the time we get to Maribel, and then we will adjust the tracks and the courses accordingly. Maybe start them slightly, down, slow, slightly lower down the hill. Um, the levels of difficulty we can adjust and we can work with the ESF um, to set up a, a course that is both safe but competitive um, to the standard of the athlete and the amount of training that they've had. There's been a, a lot of sort of comment on social media when you've made your various announcements about things being cancelled or things going ahead. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, you can just move. But it's really not that easy, is it? The, first of all, the relationship you've got with Maribel in knowing that it works and that it can host a tournament of this size. But also the fact that you can't put something like this together in a matter of days at somewhere that you, you don't know. And no, absolutely. It's not, not just a case of can we lift up this model and just move it somewhere else. It just doesn't work that way. Um, there are some, I mean, th the thing with Maribel, we have three disciplines in one venue and there are very few resorts across Europe, <coughs> excuse me, that can cope with um, snowboard, telemark and alpine in the same resort. If I'm, and I know that we've got a group of, um, we've got a team that have been out looking at, at options and there is probably only three venues, Team, Val and Maribel, they're the only three areas that I think can take this level of competition. Um, you have to think about the homologation of the slopes, you know, what type of slope and track are you racing on? Um, same with in the snow park, you know, the levels of difficulty and the size and the, and the scope of the, um, the obstacles. So no, it's, it's not a case of just find somewhere with snow and go and have a, have a competition, it doesn't work that way.
What are the benefits then for, for people in the, in the Army, the Navy and the Air Force that this competition goes ahead? Because some might say, well, it's just a tournament. Why not scrap it this year? Why should it go ahead? Well, at the end of the day, we lost, we lost 2021. To have two seasons out, um, from, from, a, from an athlete's perspective, the skill fade is, is huge. You know, it's, it is a little bit like riding a bike, but you've, you know, you've still got to hone in those top level skills. From an officials and coaching perspective, we lose a lot of muscle memory in terms of time lost in organising and facilitating and managing an event. Um, and once you've lost a couple of years of, of that type of training, it's hugely difficult to try and recoup that training in future years. And, and of course, with the turnover of troops in the services, some may leave the Army or the Navy or the RAF, you've got to find the, the, the new blood coming through. And it, and it just doesn't, doesn't come through overnight. It takes a couple of years to, to get to that level of, um, of expertise. So to lose two years would be disastrous, I think, really. And, and therefore, we've, we're really pushing hard to drive home this year. And is it fair to say that from these competitions that the British Olympic and Paralympic associations are, are able to take athletes that, and put them on their pathway? We've, we've had the likes of Jen Kehoe in recent years. Does it help them exposed to, to competition? Ab absolutely, at the highest level. Um, and there are examples across all of our disciplines. When you look at the number of Olympic potential athletes that we have coming into the, you know, the next Winter Olympics, um, you know, the, the proof is there you know, at this level. Um, and, and of course, we, we try to get to the, um, the BRIT Championships every year and we take Alpine teams and we take snowboard teams. Um, you know, so, yeah, vitally important. And uh, you've mentioned the athletes and you've mentioned the officials and people like yourself who make these events happen. But of course, it's very important to note that Maribel in particular is a sponsored event. That is, the, you know, there's no public money involved. And I, I do think that's important to articulate because people imagine it's, you know, our guys and girls just having fun on public taxpayers' money, but it's not. And the sponsors, of course, have to have an active role in these decisions as well. Absolutely, and um, without without our sponsors, we wouldn't be in we wouldn't be in Maribel. We would not have an event, and nor would we have um, rucksack taking place in in Germany. We wouldn't have the ice championships in Austria, um, and same with um, Cresta in Switzerland. So we are hugely, you know, um, indebted to our sponsors. Um, huge amounts of funds. Um, and of course the sponsors come over to Maribel to watch the events, engage with the athletes and see exactly where their money goes and see the benefits that, they, that we get from their, from their support. Um, without them we would not be able to function. And regardless of what happens with Maribel, um, we have got the iSports, you are in charge of winter sports, yeah. we have got the iSports and Rucksack as well to go and as far as you're concerned, unless things massively change, those are 100% you know, at the moment. Absolutely, so the Nordic and Biathlon Championships at Exercise Rucksack, we're forging ahead um, and we see, at the moment we see no, no reason why that shouldn't go ahead. Germany are really supportive and everything's in place in, in route holding. The, um, the ice championships are taking place at the end of February and the first week in March um, at Eagles. And again, we're fingers crossed that Austria don't make too many adjustments to their uh, restrictions on the 12th of January and we can forge ahead and have a good inter-service ice championships uh, at Eagles. What is it about the military mentality, do you think, that enable them to embrace what are quite quirky sports? I mean, biathlon 
is an obvious one. You ski and you shoot. But again, you know, bobsleigh, what is it about that, that force's psyche that draws them to those sports? It's, it's an interesting question, actually. I, I just don't know. I think, I think people like to, to look at some diversity in, you know, away from the run-of-the-mill sports. Um, they like the adrenaline. I think when you look at the ice, the ice sports in particular, um, the adre- adrenaline rush you get from, from you know, sliding head first, feet first, or at 70 miles an hour plus, you know, in a two-man bobsleigh. Um, you know, and I've done that, and I can, I can understand the rush. Um, it, it, some people just, just want to do something different. And with the, you know, the array of sports and disciplines that we have within the winter sports, portfolio there's opportunity there for anybody to do anything well i'm feeling very olympic today i I don't know about you but really interesting hearing what draws those military people to those sports i mean you say because it's a challenge there can be fewer sports that challenge somebody physically mentally as perhaps skiing in, in a super g down one of those slopes Well, if you're just joining us and you'd like to hear more from Steve, you can, because he's joined a growing back catalogue of guests (laughs) that we've had on Forces Sport. But, Kath, tell me, where can I, if I wanted to watch these people chatting to us, where can I see that? Well, first of all, if you want to re-listen to our re-listen or listen to our back catalogue, you can do it at bfbs.com slash podcast. But also we do film our interviews because that is our job and we like to see faces. So if you want to see the back catalogue of the, the fully full interviews that we've done over the past three, three or four months now, I think we started in September, then you can go to the BFBS Sports Show channel on YouTube. And it is well worth a visit. We've got a growing number of sports and personalities on there and um, and of course if you know of anyone who deserves to be on and i always plug this then please let us know at forces sport at bfbs.com now the one story over the weekend that's probably dominated the headlines more than any other was not surprisingly cambridge beating newcastle in the <laughs> fa cup but it's from the world of tennis it's getting a bit murky there well yeah murky is the right word i mean suffice suffice to say that by the time this goes out today and we're Monday the 10th of January everything could have changed again because it has been a whirlwind of twists and turns and we are of course talking about Novak Djokovic who's been in a quarantine hotel in Melbourne for the last five days um, as far as we know the judge has overturned the original decision so he should be free to play in the Australian Open but there are rumours of course that that may not happen and the Australian government are going to step in so we'll we'll watch that story unfold but my personal view is whatever you feel about Novak Djokovic and he is a bit of a Marmite character I think now it's got political I just think it's a real shame for tennis and it, it's not reflecting well on Australia I think they're trying to make um, an example of Djokovic because he's so high profile and I'm not a big fan of him personally but I, I just don't think it should have got this far it's got a bit ridiculous and a bit out of hand He's the world number one. If you're a punter, you probably want to see the very best taking on the very best. So his opponents will probably want to see him there as well because they want to test themselves and and prove themselves against the world number one. But of course, the event in Melbourne, isn't it known as the Happy Slam or something like that? Yeah, the Happy Slam. So, you know, they they don't want any mud sticking to their competition. They want their their tournament to be that Happy Slam where everybody's happy and smiling and, and get the ear off 
with a nice start. And Djokovic has won many in Australian Open and often been quite a popular winner. And of course, he sits on 20 Grand Slams along with Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. And another win would make him the most successful men's player in the history of tennis. So I think there's that extra edge that he wants... He wants that one Grand Slam to put him on, on top of the tree. But it's it's a sad thing to be happening. Um, and, of course, you know, people like Rafa Nadal are already there training. He's had his say on it. The Murray brothers have both commented on it. Nick Kyrgios has commented on it. Nick Kyrgios has picked up COVID, but he still hopes to be playing in the Australian Open. Of course, Andy Murray's out there on a wild card. But there's been a mixture, mostly support, I would say. Mostly support for Djokovic as a person, whether or not they agree with his vaccination status, which he hasn't actually revealed, but I'm um, well, assuming... If he's a- if he's allowed to stay in Australia but not allowed to play in the in the tournament, maybe he wants to get along to the England cricket team because they've had. Do we, <laughs> they didn't say, lose. They didn't lose. There we are. The England cricket team. <laughs> the they positive. didn't lose. So they managed to draw uh, their last test against Australia, which is which is great for them, isn't it? Isn't it? And great for us who who enjoy the cricket. Jimmy Anderson surviving an over from Steve Smith was my favourite moment of well, the Well, they always are, time. aren't they, when you get the tail-enders clinging on. I mean, that's the drama that perhaps we haven't had with, with England winning, just clawing their way to to sort of uh, a draw really did... It, it, it stirred something. I'm I not didn't sure expect, what it stirred well, something. Well, every, every, every time a test match starts, I it stirs something in me. I think, we can do this. You know, it would be so like England oh, to come back and win the far. next... Well, you know I'm I'm more positive in a more positive mould yeah. than you, than you are. But um yeah, fantastic individual performances. Johnny Bairstow, who we're still waiting to hear on the fitness, he's got a thumb injury, so whether or not he'll be fit for the fifth test, but um which is in Hobart and it's a day day night game. But Jimmy Anderson has told the Tail Enders podcast that Ben Stokes is hoping he'll be fit. He of course went off with a he wasn't bowling um because of a side injury, but Joss Butler's definitely out with a finger injury. So um yeah, that will be coming on Friday, the fifth and final test. To be honest, I think a lot of them will just be glad to get home. We've mentioned a little bit about the FA Cup over the weekend. Well done to Kidderminster. They've got West Ham in the next round, a home yeah. draw against West Ham. Yeah. The best thing about, of course, the, the FA Cup is the giant killing. Everybody loves the giant killing. I don't know how the professionals feel when they get knocked <laughs> out by a minnow, but it's great for those small clubs. I mean, looking at Cambridge, I think they took four to 5,000 people with them up to Newcastle. Hopefully, that will spark something back in Cambridge. So mm. when Cambridge have a home game, more people will go to cheer on their local team. That's the idea. Anyway, I hope that happens. So, Yeah, I mean, listening to the commentary of that game, it sounded like Newcastle were... I wouldn't say favourites. I mean, they should have been favourites being the Premiership side, but they actually had the better game and yet they couldn't they couldn't sort of make the most of any chances and um, Cambridge did quite quite late on. But yeah, Newcastle a bit in the doldrums at the moment. Um, but also Arsenal being beaten, put out by... Um, Nottingham Forest Nottingham as well. Nottingham Forest, so, yeah. Yeah, so teams that perhaps you, you would think to have kicked on and made the most of a season in cup competitions... Not quite getting there yet. So is this a chance now for us that we're talking about cup competitions to perhaps look ahead to something that's happening next weekend? First round of the uh, Rugby League Challenge Cup. All three Absolutely. service sides. Tricky away trips. He's the king of segways. So we're going to look ahead to some forces action now. Um, the Rugby League Challenge Cup, the men's competition first round this weekend, sees all three services in action. The Army are up against Oral St. James on Saturday. And that match is going to be live on the BBC. The Army, of course, got as far as the fourth round, wasn't it, Jules, last year? 
The Royal Navy face Bridgend Bulls on Friday and the RAF taking on Thornhill Trojans in West Yorkshire on Saturday. So we mentioned we mentioned I should just say we mentioned Ollie Butterworth there. He will be cup tied. He won't be allowed to play for the army. Their leading lights assume, won't be allowed I, to play. I think for, the only for, thing they're allowed to play for is when they get services. services. So I think they're only given that in the contract. Yeah. And this is always a tricky time for military teams, especially the Royal Navy. The rugby league sides aren't looking to peak around now. They look to peak in September, which is months away for the inter-services competition. So they're not always at full strength, are they? They're not. But I think we've had this conversation before. I think the the sort of prestigious nature of being involved in the Challenge Cup. And we just talked about giant killing there, you know, in the FA Cup. The forces sides will put themselves on the front line of sport just to get the exposure and, um, you know, the army. We talk about the army going so far last year. The Royal Navy and the Royal Air Force will be hoping that they, their dreams will come true. So I agree it's probably not great timing for them. But at the same time, I think they're never going to not do it because it's an amazing opportunity um, and to test themselves, maybe. Yeah, and just looking ahead further, the Paranordic athletes are back in action this week in Lillehammer. So that's the likes of Scott Mina and Steve Arnold from a forces point of view. And John Knighton will be going to the annual cross-country event this Thursday, RAF cross-country event. That is the Sussefton Branker Trophy. I knew I'd Sussefton. That was sent to test me, wasn't it? But um, Jules, that's that's it from Forces Sport for this week. Um, As ever, we'd love to hear from you, especially if you have any sports stories of your own. Remember, you can get in touch by emailing emailing us here at forcesport at bfbs.com. And as we said earlier, why not listen to our back catalogue of fascinating conversations with our military sporting stars? You can catch up with all the weekly programmes at bfbs.com slash podcasts or on Apple, Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcasts. The full interviews are also available on the BFBS Sports Show YouTube channel. Have a fantastic week, Jules. It's good to be back. Happy New Year. And um, we'll see you again next week. 